0: Well, if you ever have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 4. We're continuing on this series. Um, in Romans, we're going by chapter, um, chapter by chapter. Not always verse by verse, but we're going to take big chunks of that. And we feel that God is speaking to us in this time through the book of Romans. And, uh, and we are excited. It is really important that you have your Bibles, though, um, on your phone or physical Bible, that you can be taking notes. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit, who is alive and active and working through us, is speaking to us. And as I share words, those words are going to be interpreted to you by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be talking to you, and you will need to be able to take that and then pray on it and refresh yourself with that. And so... Uh, I don't want you just to be a passive listener today. I really want you to be an active listener to, to begin to. Oh my! Was that my OCD just kicking in there? I needed to turn that table. <laughs> um, all right. Why well, did I say that out loud? Sometimes I go into squirrel moments and I just uh, share what I'm thinking, which is, can be very dangerous. Can be very dangerous. Before I get into this message, I just want to let you know, when, when, the, when I gave my life to Jesus, um, or I would say, sometimes I would say when Jesus found me, but he's been always after me. I, I grew up in the church in Canada, a Presbyterian church, and I had a form of godliness but denied its power. I went to church every Sunday as a part of youth group. I actually sang in the choir, hard to believe. My father was the choir director, my mother was a church organist. I kept up great appearances, but behind the scenes, I was a thief, I was a liar, I uh, had relationships with my girlfriends, which would be not godly, they were inappropriate, and um, I was not living for God. I wasn't living uh, with the power that God wanted me to overcome, the sin in my life. And I remember when I was, uh, the year I got married, 1993, I was in my uh, little farmhouse, my very first house that I bought for $42,000 at the age of 22 um, in, I know, I'm dating myself to find something that cheap. It was a little two-room little farmhouse that I had to gut and and rebuild for my my new bride, Audra, who uh, I did lift her up and bring her over the threshold. And we started our life there. We started our life there. But it was at that moment that I basically said, God, if you're real, you need to show yourself to me because I have better things to do to go to church on Sunday and pretend that you're real. Because at that moment in my life, it sure didn't feel real. I, I knew a bunch of rules. I felt bad when I broke the rules. I knew when I broke the rules. Um, after all, I grew up in the church, my conscience, I still had a conscience, but I didn't have the power or quite frankly, the desire to live for God. After all, I, I, because of that, I then said, God, are you real? Many of you have heard this story. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. A friend of my brother's came over to my house in my living room and I knew there was something different about him and he offered to pray with me. And at that moment, um, I knew God may be in my head, but something went from my head to my heart, and for the first time, I felt the love of God. And that changed everything for me. It went from saying, I've got to do a bunch of things to saying, you know what, I just want to be in a relationship with my Father in heaven. And last week, we talked about the, that, that we got to stop focusing on living right, and we need to focus on being in a right relationship, And that will change everything for you because if you just try to live right and not have the relationship with Jesus, you're just going to go through the motions and you're going to feel badly when you do things, but you're not going to have power to overcome. You're not going to have um, that relationship that will keep propelling you to do the right thing. So Romans chapter 4 carries over a lot of the same ideas from Romans chapter 3, and I don't really want to re-preach that, but it is interesting that now Paul, who writes to the church in Rome, begins to talk about um, Abraham's life. Now, if you know of Abraham, Abraham's Old Testament, um, the account of him, Abraham was promised that he would be the father of nations, and a little problem, though, his wife uh, Sarai, who became Sarah, and actually Abram was his, Abraham's original name. Abram became Abraham. God gave him a promise you're going to be a father of nations. Sarah becomes a, a very old woman and she has not produced a child. And um, that's a problem, right? If you're going to be a father of many nations, Abraham takes issues and in, matters into his own hands, but, but later he is counted as righteous. As being right with God, and and we'll read about that here. Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? If Abraham was justified by works, meaning just doing a bunch of good things, justified meaning being right with God, uh, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteous, righteousness. Abraham believed God. I think that is so critical for us to begin to understand is the difference of doing a bunch of good things, but then believing God. Now, the interesting thing of this word believe is just like, well, you could say, I believe in God. But I believe that believing, meaning God, he believed in the nature of God, that what God said was going to happen would happen, even though he didn't see the circumstances around him to make it happen. Well, as the story goes, we know that Sarah actually miraculously gave birth. Um, Abraham was uh, 100 when he saw his promised son, but then Isaac was born, and then here he goes... Now, God asks him to bring a sacrifice up to the hill, and there was no lamb going with him and Isaac. Isaac was carrying a bunch of wood on his back, and all of a sudden, Pastor Richie and I were talking about this story this week. By the way, Pastor Richie is on vacation with his family, and uh, he's watching. Hello, Pastor Richie. Let's give Richie some love here hope you're enjoying the uh, Carolinas, uh, Pastor Richie. Yes, very nice. Um, and we began to say, like, I, can you imagine that as a parent? Like, we I have three kids. He has two kids. and We were, we were beginning to say, what, how would we think of God if he asked us to potentially sacrifice one of our kids? One, that's like, doesn't sound reasonable for God to even ask that of us. And then, And then we begin to imagine what isaac's thinking as isaac's probably 12 ish young boy as abraham begins to build an altar ties up his son lays him on it on a pile of wood and i i what's happening right we don't it doesn't the bible doesn't tell us but initially we were saying i'm sure isaac's like mom doing something wrong mom and and then pastor richie was overcome with emotion and he goes i I feel like i i I got a glimpse of what was actually happening i think they were both crying abraham like son i love you i don't know why god has asked this of us but i know that god's good i know god's going to provide some way i don't know how but i know he's a provider And just weeping because of his love for his son, but yet his devotion to God, who knows he knows God so well that he knows that God somehow is going to provide. And before he actually has to do the deed, you know, sacrificing his son, God says, Stop, stop. There's a ram caught in the thicket over here. That's your sacrifice. But, but I think when you start to see that that it was counted as righteousness for him was because that he believed not in I know God like I believe God in God but I like I believe in who God is, and some of you need to hear that 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 God is a loving Father, that God is your provider, that God is going to care for your circumstance and your situation. I know you feel the anxiety, the stress, and the concern of these, these things that are coming in front of you, but trust God that he's got you. Amen. He's got you. He's not surprised by anything in your life. He's not surprised by your um, addictions. He's not surprised by your uh, change of life circumstances that makes you feel upside down, but God is not upside down. He's saying, come out onto the waters. I've got you. Come into the storm. I'm here with you. Just hold my hand. We'll be fine. We'll be fine together. Goes on in verse four. Now to the one who, was, uh, that who works, his, wage was, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as what is due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteous apart from the works. Okay, so here we go. So when you go to work, you expect that you're going to get a paycheck, right? You'd be pretty disappointed if you started working when the arrangement was um, to get paid for your labor, um, you get your wages, right? And here he's saying that, yeah, I mean we all think we should get what we deserve, or should we, right? But it says the wages of sin is death. And that's what all of us deserve. We are all sinners. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. That's what the agreement is in the world, people who don't know Christ. But he says that the beauty of it is that God gave us a gift in Jesus Christ, That while we were yet sinners, he went to the cross for us and took all the penalty. He paid the wage. He paid the penalty. He paid the deal for us that we might have a right relationship with God. That it's not by our works. It's not by how good you are. But it's truly by the relationship you have with Jesus, inviting him into your life. So then he goes on to say, I'm going to paraphrase this, ne- paraphrase this next section here. He goes back on to the circumcision, non-circumcision thing again, Greek, uh, Jew, um, idea. And he's basically saying, you know, is it an outward appearance, an outward thing? In many ways, that circumcision, by the way, is um, it's removing the, I think you know what <laughs> circumcision is. I don't need to go there. <laughs> Why did I think you needed explanation on that? I don't know. But anyway, ouch. All right, so moving along. In many ways, it's very much like baptism today, though, right? It's, 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 that doesn't save you, but he's saying don't necessarily. If you chose to get circumcised back there, that was early covenant, all right? That was an expression of saying your commitment to God. But what he was saying is the Greeks, who that wasn't their tradition. He's saying it doesn't really matter. God looks at the heart. But he is saying, though, that that's why I equate it to baptism, because I think baptism is important. I think it's Jesus asks us to to do that in the New Testament. But um, if you never get water baptized and you've given your life to Jesus, you still will be saved. However, I still really believe that being water baptized is really important for your growth of your faith. But here again, he's making this argument. Because you know what? If you get water baptized, and then if you just go on living the way you're, you're, you lived before Jesus, your water baptism meant nothing. Right? It's, it's to really see what God is doing in your heart. And it's through a relationship. So I'm going to pick it up on verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise of Abraham and his offspring that uh, he would be heirs, of the world did not come through law, but came through the righteousness of faith. Okay, so what's faith? Faith. Well, um, actually, faith is, I think it's in Hebrews, it talks about what faith is. It's the, I think I wrote it down somewhere. Basically, it's, it's what is hoped for, but yet not seen, right? Right? is the evidence of things hoped for, but um, things not seen. Is that Hebrews 4.17? Does anybody know that? Oh, 11.1. 1. Okay. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Some of you guys are smarter than me. I love it. Um, so that's what faith is. It, it, and in many ways, that's really what he's saying, is that we have to come to this place of faith in Jesus Christ and faith in, in what God has established for us, but then we actually see it played out when we give our life to him. I, I've seen some of your stories, right? I know some of your history, your life before Jesus, my life before Jesus, right? And, and it becomes evidence. My faith in Jesus, accepting him into my life, became evidence of now uh, being a new creation and my life is changed I have greater ability to overcome sin. I have different desires. I have realized my life has purpose and that Jesus has, you know, given that purpose to me and a calling and I get to walk in that. So he counts his faith as righteousness. Verse 14. For if it is the adherence of the law... Who are to be the heirs? Faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. So all the law does is it shows us where we're coming up short. Like for me, before I gave my life to Jesus, I knew when I did wrong things, but it never had the ability. If I decided, you know, I'm gonna stop lying. I'm gonna stop stealing. And that is going to make me right before God. All that's going to do is just Make me more a self-disciplined person. That's all it is. But he's saying the law te- show, shows you where your sh- your shortcomings are, but it is in only through faith in Jesus Christ that makes us right before God. Verse sixteen. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace, or rest on Jesus, and be granted. To all of his offspring. Not only to the inheritor of the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Moses, who is the father of us all. It is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of God in whom he believed. There's that believed again. In the presence of God that he knew. Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. And some of you need to hear that. Right now you have lost hope. You've lost um, this sense that you knew that God had some promises for you at some point in life. And you lost that assurance that God is able to take something that does not exist now and will bring it to fruition at some future time. Know who God is because that's what God loves to do. He loves to bring you into a promised land. He loves to bring you into green pastures. He loves to take the things of brokenness and pain and despair and hurt and bring you to a place of healing and hope and joy and peace. In verse 18, it says, in hope he believed against hope. That he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. It's interesting. In hope, he believed against hope. Basically, he's saying, against all odds, he still had hope. Against all odds, he still had hope. Some of you need to hear that today. Against all odds, you can still have hope. Because God is a God who keeps his promises. Because God is faithful and he's a good father. And he provides for you and he gives for you. He's your shelter. He's your comfort. (laughs) I love verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah, right? As we keep praising God and who he is, you raise a hallelujah, you realize that you might be feeling a little discouraged, but guess what? Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Keep giving glory to God. See, this is why it was counted Abraham as righteous. Because he was fully convinced, verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised fully convinced. If you're doubting today, I want you to be fully convinced that God is able and faithful to do what he has promised. Verse 22, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for, the, for his sake alone, but ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised him from the dead, Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We are made right through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ gives us a relationship with our Father. And when we trust in his goodness and we get to know him, that's why apart from Jesus, you don't know the Father. You you just can't know him. But his desire is that all would come to know him. All would come to know him. So do you believe today? Do you believe in... In who God is, but not just who he is, but knowing him in a closer, more intimate way? Do you know him as the one who's able to make the unseen seen? Audra and I, when we first got married, we knew we wanted to spend a year or two just enjoying each other before we had kids, but come year two... We said we were ready to start a family. Year three, we worked really hard to make a family. (laughs) Nothing happened. Year four, year five, year six, discouragement set in. Lord, I, I know you put it in my heart, I'd love to have kids a desired to have kids. We wanted to have a family together, but it was not working. It was not happening. And then I remember a point in time of saying, why are you working so hard to try to make something happen? <laughs> and we just said, you know what? We just need to give this to God. We just need to trust that if he wants us to have kids, he's gonna allow us to have kids in his right and perfect time. We stopped trying we tried but didn't okay don't need to go there but in other words we stopped you know saying God we need to have kids year seven our son was born and then the second and the third beautiful kids I share that story because it's so easy when, when we see things from our perspective it's not happening in our time And then we can begin to start questioning and doubting, is God good? And I want to tell you, I know that's human and that's our flesh speaking, but God is good. And he's faithful. And his timing is perfect. And his promises are yes and amen. If you have something in your life today that you're hitting a wall, you're discouraged, you're... um, you haven't seen it come to pass yet. Instead of getting frustrated with the situation, just get closer to God. Get to know him even closer, even better. Because as we do, that's counted as righteousness before us. And and God is able to do the things when that seems so impossible, like Abraham and Sarah. When Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 99 and, and the miracle took place. So even when you think your season's done and it's all washed up and you, it can't happen anymore, God is saying, but let me be God. <laughs> you don't need to be God. Let me be your father. You don't need to have it all together. You just need to have me. Today, I hope that is an encouragement for you. If you've been trying really hard in your flesh to make something happen, I would encourage you to give up. Give up on you trying to make it happen. But I would encourage you when you give up, you give in to letting God love you in your circumstance, to let God be your father and your provider. He's a good, good father. He cares for you. He sees you, he sees your situation and he wants to be there And count you righteous to be right with God because of your faith, your belief in knowing who he is. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today, and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in and maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We wanna say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.